I'm a big believer in email automation and today's guest is too. So today we have the amazing Cheryl Rarick and she's an email marketing strategist an automation engineer and a deliverability expert who brings the magic of automation to coaches and course creators so they can live their lives away from the tyranny of tiny screens. There is a combination of extremely important timely information and we'll put all the links that you need in the show notes for this episode so you can take action and make sure that your emails keep getting into your subscribers inboxes and also some more long-term strategic thinking that you can work on over time to really help you make some of those automated stress-free sales. This is the Off The Charts Business Podcast for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Here, you'll learn how to design a scalable business so you can spend more time outside, away from the screen, through actionable ideas, real-world examples, and pep talks from your host, that's me, Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally. So could you paint a picture of what's possible when somebody starts to automate some of the things that you help them automate through email marketing? Because I think sometimes people are like, oh, like I understand it's useful, but maybe I'll do that later. I think that is so common for people to say because it feels big and it feels a little bit scary and intimidating, especially if you're not sure where to start or what to automate or how to do it or the tools to use. So it's just always easier to avoid things that feel intimidating. It's super understandable. But what we're doing, especially in the course creator coaches world where we're solopreneurs, we wear all the hats, we do all the marketing, is that we're actually making it harder on ourselves. By leveraging tech tools, you can have a team that is 24-7 for you and does it better than you can do it. Like if I had to remember to follow up with people and where I met them and what their last name is and the last time I had a conversation with them. (laughs) If I had to remember that, could you imagine? No, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today in business. So I think just a little bit of a mindset shift that these tools are there available for you, the solopreneur, so that you can spend a whole lot less time and still get all the things done, right? I call it, I call automation the great equalizer because it's something big companies use, but us little guys, single person businesses can use as well and take advantage of. So I think the best place to start, there's different types of automation. I specialize mostly in email automation. So funnels and long-term email communications and doing that on autopilot so you don't have to slug out that weekly newsletter every week. So that's my favorite. But automation, you can do anything with it. So even just today being on this podcast with you, there was automation involved in the calendar booking and the follow-up. You know, if you're doing those things manually, it's it can be so much easier with only a little learning curve and a little bit of time investment. So I, th- I say if you do anything five times or more, then it's it's time to look into automating it. I like that rule. That's a really good one to remember. And you mentioned slugging out that newsletter each week. So I think that's something people kind of dread too, right? And I've been writing a newsletter for 14 years or something ridiculous. So yeah, tell me what's the problem with the newsletter? We're actually experimenting with like a newsletter for one aspect of the business and then automation for another aspect. So I'd love to hear your take on that. That's my favorite thing to talk about. We could be here all day. (laughs) I feel like for some people, they love it, writing the newsletter in real time, and it lights them up, and they find it easy and easygoing, and those people, I wish I was you, I am not. 
keep keep doing that. That's amazing, right? That's but the rest of us strive to be that and it's so hard, especially as like a mom, like I mentioned I have three kids. Like my life gets hijacked a lot. So I might intend to write a newsletter on Tuesday and it will be two Tuesdays later by the time I get back to it, right? So and then there's also sometimes we psych ourselves out. It's intimidating. You don't know what to say. I believe that you do know what to say. The problem is that you have too much to say and it's hard to unravel to figure out what to say right now and what's helpful right now, right? Because a lot of us, we have all kinds of things to say so that we don't know what to say in our newsletter, right? So it can be really a struggle for a lot of people because there's pressure, it's intimidating, it's like a recurring time-consuming task that never ends. Sometimes it feels like no one's listening. It feels, you don't want to be too salesy. Am I selling enough? Like there's just a lot. And it's really hard to do in a silo, right? One at a time, one-offs all the time, starting from scratch each week. So the thing I like about leveraging automation for your email is that you can strategize, right? You can take people on a curated journey. They can go on that journey in their own time, right? Everyone can take the journey in the same order when they join your list. So it's not like they're walking into a conversation already started. So I feel like it's more subscriber focused rather than me focused or you focused, right? Like my newsletter is very me focused. It's what's going on in my life, what I feel like talking about today, but it's really not based on my individual unique subscribers journey that they're on today, like what they need from me. So I do believe there's a time and a place for both. I'm not anti real-time newsletter at all, but you know, cause two emails is better than one and three emails is better than two, right? We're not gonna, we're not gonna stop anyone from writing in real time, but it's definitely a different vibe when you can meet them where they're at and, and journey with them, with what they need when they arrive on your list, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think what you touched on too about selling is a really interesting point that I'd love to dive in a little bit further on because yeah, I think in a newsletter, if you're week after week, just selling, selling, or we've tried different things. Like we've tried putting testimonials, we've tried putting case studies, new features and things. Obviously XSLA is a software product. If you're a coach, you might have a different approach for doing that. But I think when you're in an automated sequence, you can control a little bit better what the vibe of your sequence and your Mm -hmm. campaign is and how much you sell and you know kind of overall what it's going to be like on the receiving end as opposed to, like you said, a newsletter where somebody might come in one week and they didn't see your sales pitch last week. So, and if you're not pitching this week, then yeah, you maybe lost an opportunity. So how do you approach selling in that kind of automated way? I'm going to roll out the welcome mat for everyone who's new so that they all get treated to know what to expect from you in your email list, who you are, what you're about, what you're not about. And then it's really important to make an offer fairly early on in the journey because when they come and find you, they are most excited. However, in the industry, maybe not so much in the software industry, but definitely in the course creator industry and coaches too, the next thing we do is we live launch something or we put them in evergreen funnel, right? And that sells to them within like the first two to three weeks that they're on the list, which is good. I recommend it. Or live launch, you know, there's a bunch of hype around the sale, like selling, all great things. But then what happens to everybody else? (laughs) right? Conversion rates, evergreen funnel, like one to 5%. Live launches can vary a lot, but like that's 80 to 90% of your list, 80 to 90% of your opportunity that then we're just randomly emailing based on like what we can come up with at 4 p.m. because a newsletter has to go out tomorrow and the kids are hungry, you know? So it's, 
The strategizing for selling is, I think, a magical piece because what it also does is it releases you from the pressure of having to do it in real time. So for me, I teach, I have a group program called Automate and Chill where we design a like a year-long automated journey that takes care of the belief shifting and the selling and the nurturing. There's different ways that we do it because I, I do believe there is no one cookie cutter system for everyone. Every business is different. So that's why it's a group program. We, we dive deep into each person's business. But what it does is it releases the pressure to sell in real time because you know they're getting a curated journey based on their needs and the belief shifts they need to have for the specific offer you want to sell. And you could sit down and take your time strategizing that. You can write it and you can walk away for a couple of days before you edit it, which I highly recommend. When I email in real time, there's typos everywhere. I swear every time <laughs> I'm terrible. So like you can walk away, you can edit it. In uh, email, it's just, it's a relationship builder, right? And it's also a way for you to be consistent without burnout when you automate it. It takes a bit to set up, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but once it is, it's working for you when you're not working. So it can be pretty magical. And then if you want to send real-time newsletters, like I'm in a bundle this week, I'm in a summit, I'm on a podcast, come listen. It feels a lot less pressure and a lot more fun to email because you don't have to think about, okay, what have they seen the last two weeks? Are they ready for this offer? What did they buy it before? Should they even get this offer? Like you don't want to offer something they already bought and it looks weird. You know, like there's all of this pressure and question. So it really like removes a lot of that for you when you lean into automation for your selling so that you can just, you can still sell in real time, but it's a different vibe to it. It's for the person going through your funnel, but also for us as business owners and our very heavy task list. Yeah. And that's one thing I really love about you and your approach is that you focus on the life of the entrepreneur, yeah. of the person running the business, right? So I think a lot of times what we've learned about marketing and all of that is this very push, mm. push, more, more kind of approach versus this, which is a lot more kind of, it, it considers the human being, right? That is having to create and do all these things and gives you time and space to be offline with your family if you need to be, or if you have time to like create and come up with new ideas and things, it doesn't have to happen, you know, like you said, 4 p.m. because that's when the newsletter is due or whatnot. You have that space to kind of incubate and come up with new stuff. And would you say that once people create that kind of a one-year sequence, that's that's pretty good? Like, does it increase conversion rates over time? Or what kind of things have you seen from customers and clients? I've seen it all. And I like I what I really hate, like you said about I consider the entrepreneur, what I really hate about our marketing industry is people that make all kinds of claims. Like I could sit here and tell you, yeah, oh yeah, 50% increase and you can make a million dollars. You sure you could. But all of my my members have different goals with what they're building. Mm -hmm. And so I think the success of their long-term automations really depends on what their goal is. Some of them are not selling in it at all because they like to sell in real time. Some of them are only selling it. It's a really wide variety. But as far as if we're talking about sales, yes, it does can increase conversions because you're more consistently offering. Your messaging is way more streamlined and strategic. You're selling more often than maybe you would be comfortable doing in real time. You are belief shifting intentionally leading towards something. There's a destination for it. You're not, it's not random, right? As well as more, it's more frequent as well as when you do do a live promotion, even if they haven't purchased, they've seen it now, 
and we know from from studies with online marketing that people need to see things a lot of times before they buy now. It used to be 8 to 12, and now it's like 25 plus or something times people need to see something or interact with you before they buy. And so it's more exposure, which actually brings me to a really good point I want to I want to talk about is something I call time 3.0. You know, we talk about time as an objection. People say, I don't have time, or it's not the right time. And as marketers, we're like trained to overcome the objection. And it's just a limiting belief and push through and you must not value your business or whatever trope is the current line, right, that we hear. But sometimes for a lot of people, it's just not the right time, right? I call it time 3.0 people. It's the people who it's not the right time because they're not there yet. They're aspiring to have the problem you solve, right? I follow a lot mm-hmm. of copywriters because I want to hire one like next year or I know I want to, but I'm not ready yet. I'm a really valuable subscriber. You can't write people off like if they haven't purchased in the first year from you. It doesn't really mean that they're not going to. This is going to be excellent future clients and students because they have that growth mindset. They want to be in the room with you. They want to know what you're teaching. They want to have the problem that you solve. And they end up being some of the best clients. And if you stick around and you show up for them through email, they'll immediately think of you when they do have that problem to solve. So that's one of my favorites. So I do think that it does increase conversions that you wouldn't get otherwise because you're just consistently showing up for those people. A really great example is my biz bestie, actually. When I first was working on this concept a couple of years ago, she was like, absolutely not, Cheryl. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't want that at all. I see why other people will, not me. I don't want to batch anything. And I like to just email in real time. You know what? Cool. Flash forward a year and a half later, when I did the founding launch, she was like, Cheryl, hurry up. We need to get this done. (laughs) What's taking you so long? I need this right now, right? Because her business had changed and she'd also heard me talk about it for a year straight. Mm-hmm. And the same can happen for for anybody who does an, a long-term automation because they're hearing you. Even if they don't need it right now, they're listening, they're hearing, they're agreeing and they're buying into your solution. Like, yes, this is a problem. Yes, this is the solution. So when they have the problem, it's a very easy yes. I love that mindset shift. I think if we all saw human beings this way as not just an ATM machine that they need to buy within the first two weeks of joining your email list or whatnot, and really thinking about what's their long-term plan? How are they kind of, you know, getting ready to expand or grow, right? Well, what's funny is that like you mentioned, thinking of them as an ATM. What's funny is that when people, they burn their leads, like they're like, oh, they're, they're, they don't buy in two weeks. They're gone. They're garbage leads. It's crazy to say it like that. But that's how it's talked about sometimes. And the funniest thing is that they're missing out on a huge piece of the revenue because there's right. studies that show that 80 to 90% of buyer, buyers, not subscribers, buyers, people that will eventually buy, take longer than three months to buy. And many take one to two years. So it's like the data backs it up. You're just throwing money in the garbage then too, right? And it's not that hard. It's a lot to get your head around. It's some planning involved, right? Like it's it's not a small project, but it's not that hard. You have to write emails anyway. Like it's not more work. It's just we're changing when you're doing the work and maybe how what you're saying. But it actually can relieve some of the work later because now that's a living, breathing funnel 
that's flowing underneath your business all the time. So anybody coming in is getting that five-star treatment, freeing you up to do things like, I don't know, learn Instagram reels. I got to do that one day. (laughs) I got to catch up and do that, right? So I mean, it's, it's not more work, but it does feel like it to a lot of people. It's a lot to wrap your head around because it feels like a big project, but it's a project I think is worth doing. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know Access Ally is the most flexible way to sell and elegantly deliver digital offerings as your business grows all in one place on WordPress. You can create online courses, memberships, directories, and communities, and even sell team access all on your terms. Go to accessally.com to get a demo and see why it's the business scaling solution you've been looking for. Welcome back. So one thing that kind of comes up for me is, okay, you're working on these emails, but you've got to make sure that they actually get into the inbox. I know there's some changes happening right now with Google and Yahoo and all kinds of like inbox stuff that might make it a little trickier for your emails to get there. So what do people need to know? What do they need to do? Where should they start if they're like, I don't know if my emails are actually even getting there? Yeah. So how you know your emails are getting anywhere is you really got to watch your your data, right? Your open rates and your click rates. Your open rates, we know since those iOS updates a couple of years back, they're not so accurate, but they do show trends. So they're still a super important metric to watch because if they all of a sudden drop off, there's a problem. And with those iOS updates a couple of years ago, they trend higher. So your open rates look higher than they really are. So what's happening is when people get the email in their inbox, they haven't opened it, but Apple is like firing the pixel that makes your your ESP, your email service provider thinks they opened it. So you'll have higher open rates. So you don't really know if everyone's opening your email that you think they are. But what we do know is that it's not in the spam folder because if it's in the spam folder, then that pixel's not firing. So it's still a really great metric to watch. So if you're going to have any deliverability issues that you want to be watching that as well. We can also get more technical and set up all kinds of different reporting for Google, for example, and for your authentication process. And... Going into 2024, I think more people are going to have to learn these technical side of email more than we have before. We've kind of had a free ride with email. Like you, like I said, with Instagram, you kind of have to learn how it works, right? The algorithms change. Like before you want to post pictures now, then it's videos and it's reels and it's lives. And it, like you sort of have to keep up with the times and learn these things as you go. And that's just what we're doing now with email. We're catching up. We've taken for granted that you could just send an email and it'll get where it's supposed to go. But these new changes, yes, you do have to authenticate your domain, which means I have a whole training on it because it's a lot to cover. But in a nutshell, it means you have to prove who you say you are now. And you have to ride on your own reputation for your domain name. So your .com, like CherylRarick.com, right? Or AccessAlley.com. And you have a reputation that follows your domain around on the internet, everywhere you go. It's like fingerprints are everywhere. And now you have to send emails with your own reputation. It was always best practice to do that, but now it's gonna be mandatory before you really could borrow your email service provider's reputation. You could just ride on their coattails a little bit. So when you send an email, they're like, hey, you know, I'm ConvertKit, I'm Active Campaign, I'm Keep, I'm whoever, and I have an email from Cheryl to Natalie, they would go, okay, ConvertKit says it's Cheryl, so, or Active Campaign or Keeper says it's Cheryl, so, okay, we'll take that, and then it'll go through all the spam filters and carry on its journey. But now, no, you can't do that anymore. You have to have records on your domain that show you actually are who you say you are. And they're checking ID is what they're doing. So it's actually a really good thing. 
it's going to keep our inboxes cleaner, but it's a couple of tweaks we've got to make going into 2024 for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I like that you say how it's actually a good thing for everyone who receives email, which I think is all of us. <laughs> so I think it's actually a nice thing. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It just means they're checking ID and there's a couple extra things you have to do to set yourself up to make sure your emails land in the inbox. And I think as a deliverability expert, that there is some kind of general good practices too, making sure that people who are on your email list opted in, making sure that you're not using kind of spammy words or like instant make money fast, like kind of stuff like that, right? Like there's certain things that will kind of flag spam filters, right? Do you have any tips or maybe on your website or something that you kind of teach people to make sure that they... They do the basics. Yeah, right. there's so many small things to know, but you nailed it when you said like spammy words and stuff. So what we think is a spammer is not what Google and Yahoo and Microsoft think is a spammer, right? So we tend to think of spammer as the Nigerian prince and any money or like some foreign relative you've never heard of died and now you're getting money in their will. Just give us your credit card. We think that's spam and it is spam, right? Sure. Or Viagra ads or whatever. That's all spam. We can also be sending spam accidentally and unknowingly by mimicking the patterns of spammers. And it's really easy to accidentally mimic those patterns, even though we're well-intentioned and we're not trying to spam anyone. But whenever you send emails that are not wanted or even no longer wanted, you kind of fall into that category. So we just have to be a little bit more careful as they tighten things up. They're trying to clean up the inboxes, which is a good thing. And I think as solopreneurs and entrepreneurs that we are in a unique position to do well with this because we actually tend to care more about relationships in the first place. So if we can learn a little bit of the technical stuff we have a really good opportunity to stand out in the inbox, I think, going into this year. So it's not all bad. It is technical, though. It is, it's not difficult. There's steps and formulas you need to, to learn and implement, but it's not actually very hard to do it, right? As far as content in your email, you've got to do the friend test. You're not going to tell your friend to buy now. <laughs> like, you're not going to tell your best friend to hurry, you're going to miss out. You're not going to use that kind of language. So we can get a little bit more creative and a little bit more relational with how we talk in our emails. That can go a really long way. I love that. Yeah. I think having your own filter that you run through and like, how would this land for my friend or for myself or something? I think that can make a huge difference in how you write emails and, and all of that. So I know that you use Access Ally for some of your programs like Automate and Chill and your business freedom framework. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to use Access Ally because I know there's so many different course platforms and membership options. Oh, I'm out so there. glad you asked because I'm literally obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Access Ally. I told you before I'm a nerd, right? So what I adore about Access Ally is there's literally nothing I can't do. <laughs> like anytime I think I run into a roadblock, your support is excellent. And they're like, oh no, you can do it this way. I'm like, amazing. There's nothing I can't do. And automation, you know, is my heart. And one of my favorite things is, is Access Alley, you speak two ways to my CRM. So I can integrate and control a lot of the experience through my automation in my CRM, which is what I like to do. And I don't have to have 40 million zaps that break and try to remember what's where and like cobble things together. I can really design an experience. It goes back to my love of customer journey too, right? On the Once they purchase, being able to design inside the program 
an experience that makes sense to them as they're learning and coming in. So I, I just love it. That's awesome. I was going to ask you a little bit about what happens after people purchase, because they think like you touched on it, it's such an important part of the journey. I think if somebody raises their hand, gives you money, and you kind of just drop them into something and you're like, okay, you're on your own. Bye. That's not the best experience versus something where you're kind of overcoming that buyer's remorse. Maybe there's other touch points and other things you can do to make sure that they have a great experience with your course or your content. Like, so how do you consider that part of the journey and that part of the automation? I would say I'm still learning. I feel like it's a topic that is often overlooked. And I would say that I'm still learning and I just try to get into their point of view, into their shoes and see if I can make it better, right? With Access I have the tool to accomplish that. I think only thing holding me back is my imagination and what I can come up with to make those experiences because there isn't necessarily a lot out there to follow for guidance on that. It's, It's often overlooked. So I do like being able to tag them based on content they've touched or if they haven't logged in, I think I need to set aside more time to write the emails to encourage them along. If they haven't logged in, checking in with them, the opportunity is there. It's just trying to um, decide the journey and also prioritize what happens first. I do love being able to show them a page and then the next time they log in, they don't have to see that page anymore right? You can have a welcome mat. I just implemented one of those for the first time last month and I'm testing it out and it's pretty cool because the first time they come can be like a welcome message and start here. And then the next time they come can be a jump back to where you left off. And I don't think there's any other programs out there. If there is, I don't know about them for courses that can handle that level of customization. And it's just super unique. I love it. Yay. Oh, I love that too. (laughs) Extending out that welcome mat and remembering where they've been and what they've done so that they don't have to kind of jog their memory and be like, wait, where was I up to again? And I think that's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I should mention as well, one of my other favorite features, my members really have loved it. And I've gotten some email feedback about it is the private notes function. So my students can be, you know, in a module or in a lesson, And I have an area where they can take notes and the notes come to me so I can see their notes and I can leave comments or replies back to them. But it's private between the two of us and the other students and members don't see that. They are loving it. They're all using it actively and it's been a really nice addition. And I got a testimonial just a couple of days ago that said someone's like, This is one of the best design courses I've been in for my ADHD brain because it's helping me focus. You know, there's a video and a transcript. Oh, and then the objectives checklist, Access LA objectives, they can check off if they go and track their progress. And then they can take notes on each page and it saves it for them. So that's another excellent feature for the client journey after the sale that can help them actually learn and implement what they came here for. I love that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about once you sell them, making sure you deliver on what you promised. Right. So I feel like if they buy and they're excited, but they never log in, or like you said, like they don't actually get through it because they get distracted or whatnot, like this delivers on the promise and it really helps them become either a second time customer or an affiliate or a referral or anything else that kind of furthers that journey and and that relationship. So I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is very overlooked. I think there's opportunity for someone to come up in the industry and 
really teach this in a good way. There's so many ways you can make the experience better. Sometimes you have to sort of focus down on, okay, what should the experience be for this person? Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So is there anything that I should have asked you or that you think people should know? If they want to know more about, we kind of brushed through the whole Google Yahoo changes. I know it's very overwhelming and there's so much misinformation and contradicting information right now. Because you're hearing about it from the email service providers, they're saying different things. Then there's people all over the internet talking about it who maybe are experts, maybe they're not experts, they have opinions about it. And the problem is that the answers aren't straightforward because the answers depend on you and your unique business, the size of your list, how new your list is, do you have a domain already, do you not? You know, like there's a lot of reasons why information can be wrong for you because it's not just straightforward for everyone. So I do have a free training, on-demand training for that, that can really help. So we can link that up. If anybody was like, okay, Cheryl, that was helpful, but not really helpful. It's a fairly long free training. So it's, we can't get into all the details here, but it breaks it down really simply and easy to understand so that you can be best prepared to get your emails in the inbox. We'll definitely include the link for that and hope everyone has a chance to dig into it because they think it's going to make a big difference. I'm still a huge fan of email. I think people go up and down on email where they're like, oh, there's a new platform and everyone should move to TikTok or whatever new thing is happening, or maybe it's ads kind of took over or whatnot. So What's your take long-term on email? Well, I'm team email. I've always been team email because two reasons. I like I like to connect with people. It feels like a more intimate space to me. It's like sitting in someone's living room. Well, you actually are. You're probably, you know, in with them scrolling in bed or whatever you're doing. I mean, you are with social as well. But it's a more, it feels like a more one-to-one conversation than a group conversation. But the real true, I don't like learning new platforms. I also don't like showing up on camera all the time. I'm trying to get better. The 2024 will be the year I do that. I haven't posted on Instagram barely in a year and I can still run a business. So it's, for me, it has to do a lot with time boundaries as well. Like I only have so many hours in a day that I can do it to work because I have family and other things going on. And email allows me to do that in a, for me, a less stressful way. That may not be true for everyone. If you love social media or you love those things, then you should do those things as well. But for me, it's always been a struggle. It's a challenge to fit all of those things in. And so email, because I can automate it, I can work hard when I have the capacity to work hard and then not when I don't. So that's why I love it. I mean, ads, you can use ads to grow your email list, I suppose. Sure. And your social to grow your email list. But for me, all roads still lead to email. Yeah. I think it's just such an important part of the tool kit or however you want to think about it. It is the foundation in my opinion too. So I feel like, yes, all the other things can work together, but at the end of the day, email is kind of the the road home, especially, right? So uh, awesome, Cheryl. This has been so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and all of your experience with us. And obviously people can go to CherylRerick.com and grab that workshop and all of the other awesome things that you've put together for them. And by the way, your website is gorgeous. You're sales pages are amazing. And I'm just like, oh, like I want to sign up for that. that. So thank you for for being there for people who maybe are a little bit less techie and who want to, you know, get in on all of this automation. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And thanks to Access Ally for letting me design a course platform that also looks like my website. I love the customization there as well. Thanks so much for having me. To get the show notes and links from today's episode, head over to natalielussier.com and click the podcast link. You can also subscribe to receive email notifications when new podcasts are released. Thanks for listening and until next time.